and welcome to Not A Couple, a Will & Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. This week we're talking about season four, episode 24, Hocus Focus. Huzzah! It's magic time, everyone. Yeah! This was kind of an interesting episode for us. Yes. Uh, we're going to get into it a little bit by bit, but just as kind of a, a preface, this is an episode that we really enjoyed. Yes, we liked it a lot. But we didn't think it was very well written. It was one of those episodes where we laughed really hard the whole time and then went, wait, why did we like this? Right. And because there I, were so many weird things about it. And I'm fine with liking it. Mm-hmm. But, like, why, though? That is the question. Mm-hmm. Why? Okay, so let's read the episode description. Okay. After Will wins a portrait session at a charity auction, he takes Grace Defoe's for a notoriously eccentric celebrity photographer, guest star Glenn Close. But the unfocused shooter's bizarre methods ultimately produce a funky image that flatters Grace and frightens Will. Okay, so I just want to quickly comment that I don't think in 2018 anyone would refer to a photographer as a shooter anymore. You know what? Actually, as a marketing director, I have to talk about photo shoots all the time, and it's really uncomfortable to talk about shooting people. I mean, like, shooting people is one thing, but, like, calling a photographer a shooter specifically, I yes. feel like I feel like that cultural terminology has just completely, like, left the zeitgeist. Like, yes. if you hear shooter now, you think active shooter, Columbine, we're all gonna die. On the other hand, if you do encounter a shooter, you do want one that's not very focused. That is probably true. You are not wrong. All right, we're gonna come back to the Glenn Close plotline, uh, but we want to talk about the other plotline that the description didn't talk about. Which is that uh, Jack has a new cabaret act. That old Jack magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apropos of nothing, Jack has incorporated magic into his act. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. You know, I feel like, we were talking about this off mic, I feel like there was some sort of like moment with magicians in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually accurate or if it was just my weird Houdini phase. But regardless, I feel like every sitcom does a magic episode. Yeah, I just remember there being magic and that being a thing. I just, you know, Jack's cabaret act has its flaws as we are all well aware but i think introducing magic actually kind of helps because he's not like a good magician yeah but i thought something about the way he does magic was a lot funnier than his jokes yes you know because he's kind of doing magic in the episode with this kind of like he's doing really simple tricks and he's kind of bumbling along and he's like look now i'm gonna do a trick like i'm gonna turn the whole audience gay yeah. But then he, like, explains why the joke is funny. Yes. And, and it, it's, it it's cute. It's very endearing. Yeah. Something about the way he's doing the tricks also has, like, a, a sort of weird earnestness to it. Yes. That, like, really makes it just a lot funnier than his typical, like, trying to be tongue-in-cheek cabaret act and failing because Jack is not really tongue-in-cheek. Well, and I think the thing is, like, with his cabaret act, most of it is, like, hi, I'm just Jack and I'm amazing. Whereas with magic, he's, like... I'm just Jack. I look at this amazing magic trick. Right. Like, it's moving the focus of the egocentricism to the magic trick, which is objectively cool. Yeah, and I think that that works for Jack. I think putting the ego not on himself is actually a plus. Also, from a marketing standpoint, gay magician is a really untapped niche. I agree. That is a niche market that should have been hit many Mm -hmm. times. Why didn't we see that in Vegas? Why are there no gay magicians in Vegas? There's already a built-in joke about making the salami disappear. Do people actually call it salami? They do when they're making that particular joke. I just mean that's a bad joke because no one calls a dick salami. Jim looks into the camera like Jim in the office. It doesn't work if you say Jim first. It doesn't not work. Anyways, (laughs) the problem with this episode and the the conflict is that uh, Jack needs an assistant because he's a magician now. And he goes for Karen, which is like... 
starts great because she comes out dressed straight up like a drag queen. Oh my god. I think that half the audience probably thought she was one. Uh-huh. Um, but then being Karen, she, like, tries to, like, make it about herself. But, like, it's not, like, necessarily tries. It's that she successfully kind of steals the show, uh-huh. you know? Like, she's, she just has all of these funny quips to all of Jack's remarks. And right. it, it actually, like, really, like, flows. It works really well. Mm-hmm. It's, like, their normal banter, but, like, they're on stage now, so Jack thinks that all the focus has to be on him. Mm-hmm. See, his ego's ruining the show again. I think you can sense yes, the theme here. Yes, there's a theme. Um... And so he, like, freaks out and, like, yells at her backstage. Yeah. Because, like, what is appropriate for their banter is, in his mind, not appropriate for their stage performance. Yeah, but which I find to be very frustrating because a lot of the things that she was doing, they weren't, like, derogatory towards Jack or anything. Mm -hmm. There was, like, he told her to step inside the magic box and she made a joke about how she hadn't done that since she was a sophomore in college. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, like, a clearly easy lesbian joke, but it was funny. Um, And then there was another moment where she's like, I'm going to double the audience. And then she like chugged a drink. Mm -hmm. And like uh, it was it was like very simple, small jokes. But they Mm -hmm. really did work in conversation with Jack's big like pieces of his act. But Jack became a total diva about it. Yeah. And I get that plot line. And I I get that that seems like the easy answer. But I I just was frustrated by it. It seemed too simple. Like. Yeah, I almost would have rather seen it resolve with a like, and then they learn to work together to make the act better. Right. Like, I feel like a part of this is that like they keep going back to like Jack does a cabaret act and it's a failure. It would be kind of cool if Jack did a cabaret act and it was actually a huge success. Yeah. And then like in a future episode, it falls apart for a totally different reason. You know. Yeah. Um, I I think this is like the strongest Jack's cabaret act has ever been. Mm-hmm. This is the first time it feels like something people would actually come see. Yeah. Um. It's got a huge audience, which usually it's kind of painted as having more of, like, the sparse crowd and, like... And, like, Will and Grace are forced to show up. Right, right. Like, he's got people coming to this one. Um, So I was disappointed to see it end on such a conflicty note. Yeah. I mean, another problem I sort of had with this plot is that throughout the episode, the... Writers couldn't seem to decide how stupid Jack and Karen are. Yes. And I think recurring that, problem. And I think that they both they the writers always want them to both toe the line of like ditzy drunks. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they just can't seem to land on where that's supposed to be. And right. so within this episode we have Jack having a conflict with Karen over his artistic vision for his magic show, but we also have Jack being kind of unsure whether or not he actually turned Karen into a rabbit. <laughs> and like it's kind of we saw similar things back at Christmas when like all of a sudden Jack who is a man who is in his 30s is supposed to believe in and pray to Santa Claus. Right. Like the writers just can't seem to make up their mind like is he a little bit naive? Is he a little bit ditzy or is he just plain fucking stupid? Right. And at least it would be nice to be consistent in the same episode. Yeah. And I mean, the same kind of goes for Karen. Like, mm-hmm. she... Like, she's she's mad, and she's like, she's doing it on purpose at the beginning, but then she's also kind of like, just like, I'm Karen, I'm saying silly things. You know what I mean? Like, she right. has kind of the reverse, where like, she's being dumb and silly at the beginning. Then she gets like, legitimately angry with Jack. Yeah, and then like, has like, an understanding with him at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like, I don't know. We've seen Karen before kind of be resistant to get involved in Jack's cabaret shenanigans, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like we kind of missed that. Oh, honey, I couldn't possibly do that. Your show is bad. Right. But instead we just see her like enthusiastically being a magician's assistant, which doesn't really track for her character. This did feel like an episode that needed probably a couple more minutes on the Jack and Karen plot. Yeah. You know, versus the Will and Grace plot line. Because I feel like it needed some other bits here and there to flesh it out so that you didn't have to have these sharp... IQ shifts to get the plot 
done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you had more plot to work with, you could have a more gradual shift from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you have to kind of rely on, like, well, this person has this opinion because they're at this IQ level, and now they think that Karen is a rabbit. Yep. So we gotta change that up. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a bit unfortunate. But otherwise, I mean, it was a very solid, ep- like, uh-huh. half of an episode. I thought it was really funny. I think uh-huh. we both laughed a whole lot. Yeah. It it's was- just, there's a, a good amount of comic timing in addition to actually funny jokes. Yeah, I think that that half really, it worked really well. Even though, like, objectively, it probably shouldn't have worked quite as well as it did. I Yes, I completely agree with you. Okay, awesome. Should we move on to talking about Will and Grace's plot this week? You mean the other plot that shouldn't have worked as well as it did? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, like, this one, like, at least the Jack and Karen plot, like, starts really strong and then gets weird and then kind of saves itself at the end, but not really. Yeah. Like, this one, like, starts off with this weird, awkward intro where Will is like, I want a photo session with not Fran Lebowitz. Her name is Fanny Lieber. Right. Fanny Lieber, the it's Glenn famous Close. photographer. It's Glenn Close. I just wrote Glenn Close in my notes. I just yeah. didn't even bother to learn her fucking name. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, look, it's Glenn Close. The famous photographer who takes black and white photos of celebrities who is not someone who could sue the show for a mischaracterization. Yep. I just, I understood that the episode had to get them in that room somehow. Yeah. But it was just such a weird execution. It just sort of felt like they backed into it from a weird angle, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's kind of sweet that, like, Will and Grace... Like, they're taking a, quote, family photo. And Will's like, you're my family. And Grace is like, aw. And then Grace says, we're all like, aw. And then Grace is like, do I have to pay for it? And then we're all like, aw. We're like, oh, that's right. Grace is a cheapskate. And then that's brought (laughs) up again because Gwen Close can immediately tell she's Jewish because she's wearing, quote, cheap underwear. I thought that was literally one of the best jokes the show has ever done. (laughs) Like, that is the best, that is the peak of this episode. I would like to say that it was very, very funny, but being that I am not Jewish, I feel like I cannot speak on behalf of Jewish people as to whether or not that was offensive. See, now, here's what I thought the joke was the first time. I thought that Glenn Close could see, like, her lady bits and thought she had just been, like, super circumcised. (laughs) I did appreciate the, like, circumcision bait and switch there. Yes. That was pretty funny. Yes, I was like, does Grace Have have a giant clitoris? Does this woman think she has a circumcised penis? Yes. But that was not the joke. And nope. it was all the better for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we meet uh, Fanny and Lieber. Who's Glenn Close. Who's Glenn Close. And who has some fantastic delivery. Oh, my God. So she's fucking bonkers, dude. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to describe this. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when Will and Grace walk in, they're greeted by a really uptight assistant who tells them, like... Um, all the ground rules and kind of ends on uh, Fanny. I'm going to stop saying her name. Fuck it. Glenn Close <laughs> is uh, 90 days sober. So yes. this is a drug free environment. And so Grace is like, ah, I have an antihistamine. La, 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 mm-hmm. la. And it's very awkward. Um, and so then she, she being Glenn Close walks out and she's very like, very blah. She's also kind of like very like, Glenn Close is Glenn Close is sometimes portrayed. Like, the yeah. very serious, like, intense, like, all right, let's do this. Come on. Yeah. And so she's, like, um, she's just very, like, it's very uncomfortably serious. Mm-hmm. And she, like, makes a comment about how Will is gay and she uses Frenchmen. And she's, like, oh, I love Frenchmen. I, uh, I've i married three of them. Yes. If those of you are not familiar with our refusal to say a certain F word on this podcast, please know that we use the word Frenchman in its place. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? We'll say fuck, but we won't say the other one. <laughs> I just want to clarify which F words we are not saying. We are not not saying fuck. We are not saying Frenchman. Right. 
Very well explained. You're welcome. Absolutely no lack of clarity. I almost have a master's there. degree. <laughs> I am a smart. The thing that turns the episode kind of on its side is that, like, Glenn Close clearly goes off the wagon immediately. Yep. Like, she walks behind a curtain and then busts through the curtain. Clearly having done, like, several lines of cocaine oh, yeah. or something. Just, like, just a full, like, like a coffee table of cocaine. Yeah, so she walks behind the curtain and emerges, like, as a cartoon, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and then she's, like, humping Will and Grace. She's kissing them. She's like, yes, work it. Take your shirt off she like, to Grace, obviously. Yeah, she, like, rips open Grace's shirt uh-huh. and undoes her pants so that she's showing off her underwear. And then she, like, shoots them in, like, this really, like, creepy, hazy, like, circle where they're just kind of horrified but trying to be sexy. Yeah. Which is a weird way to shoot a family photo. I would like to reiterate this is supposed to be a family portrait. Yes. I can only imagine what she would have done with an actual, like, n- nuclear heteronormative family. <laughs> like, if there had been children present. Would she have been like, take off your pants, kid? Okay, now the husband is going to be nude, and the children will be upside down, and the wife will be dead. <laughs> I also loved all the asides about other celebrities that she like photographed, like the very vulnerable photo of Martha Stewart, uh-huh. or like Bette Midler, I think it was, in a tub of baked beans yes, or something. I liked Bette Midler in a tub of baked beans. <laughs> like, they were all very like bizarre, but exactly the sort of thing that a celebrity photographer brings to mind. But also like... Look up some Fran Lieberwitz photos and, like... They're not that far off. That's the aesthetic. Yes. That's what we're going for here. Yeah. So, um, the whole photo shoot ends in, like, a haze of cocaine. (laughs) And then she, like, declares that they're finished after, like, two minutes. Right. And they go home. And what we can only assume is at least several days later, because they receive this in the mail, they get an envelope with a single picture in it. Yes. And here is my quick aside that that's not how photography works. Yeah, that's weird. Typically, when you get a portrait shot, you get several options to choose from as to which one you like. My sister's an amateur photographer. Usually, there is a proof process. Yeah. But apparently not in this show. In this show... Not when Franny Lieber is doing it, or whatever her name is. Yeah, so when Glenn Close shoots your photograph, she just decides (laughs) whichever one it is. So, basically, they, they get the photo, and they're both very excited, and they open it to discover that Grace... Looks hot as shit. Mm-hmm. And Will looks like a hot pile of shit. And it's not, nobody's happy because Grace is like, oh, but I look good. And Will's like, I don't want this to be in a coffee table book. I look <laughs> like terrible. Yeah. Well, and then this is kind of where the episode gets a little repetitive for me because, like, they go back and they convince her to do reshoots. And it's a whole thing because, like, no one has ever made her do reshoots. But then, like, obviously, like, the exact opposite happens. And Will gets a great photo, and Grace looks terrible. Yeah, and it's it's kind of predictable, and mm-hmm. we sort of lose steam a bit with the really high-energy um, experience that we had with mm-hmm. the first photo shoot. Yes, because it's the same beats again, but in reverse now, you know? Yeah, so instead of loving on Will, she loves on Grace, and it's... it's yeah, or vice versa. Or, or vice versa. It yeah. it's, it's just... It's kind of the same thing again, and it doesn't super work great as leftovers, you yeah. know? Um, it doesn't reheat well. It does not reheat well. Good critique. Thank you. My <laughs> therapist says I am great at metaphors. That is a great metaphor. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the other thing about Glenn Close that I really want to recognize is, like, Glenn Close is playing a really weird, like, out-of-the-box, unusual character. But she's not a goddamn creeper. And yes. that is such an improvement over last week's episode. I agree, especially because, like, Glenn Close is famous for playing goddamn creepers. Right. But, like, this character's creepiness, like, feels earned, mm-hmm. matches the metaphor prototype she's going for, and is funny. Yes. 
Like her creepiness factor has a lot to do with the fact that you are a very exposed person when you're on the other side of a camera. Yes. And how photographers can kind of prey on that. And it's making fun of that. Yeah. And they're like making fun of these eccentric photographers who take themselves too seriously. Yeah. With like, with Michael Douglas last week, we just had a character who was like an uncomfortable, creepy, semi-predatory gay cop. Yeah. Who didn't seem to give a shit about any of the problematic behavior that he was like exhibiting. Yeah. And wasn't like wasn't comedic, wasn't a stereotype, wasn't a, like a metaphor. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, there was no like overarching reason for why he was like this. He was just cr- like a creepy old gay right. man. Like it wasn't even like Will sees a creepy old gay man and learns something about himself. It's Will becomes the mentor for this old gay man who should know better than to be a creepy dude. Yeah, it was fucking weird, man. So it was nice to see Glenn Close like nail it, I yes. guess, because we had two like like really big guest stars in a row. Mm-hmm. And Michael Douglas just sort of like flatlined for yeah. us, whereas Glenn Close really kind of hit it out of the ballpark. Well, and, and like I'm trying to think about what other guest stars we've had this season. I mean, is Glenn Close probably the best one? I mean, unless you count Woody Harrelson. I don't count Woody Harrelson. This has been a long season, you guys. It's been a long season. I mean, we had Michael Douglas. We've had her. Um, we had Woody Harrelson. We didn't have Cher this year, though. We did not have Cher Sad. this year. That was last time. I miss Cher. We had uh, Matt Damon this season. We did have Matt but Damon. But Matt Damon, again, was playing just some kind of creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah. he His character was probably the least creepy of all of the guest stars we got this season. True. But still kind of creepy. And, and, like, I understand that the guest star normally plays, like, the villain or the antagonist. Like, that's the structure of the show. Mm-hmm. But I don't think... I think the show needs to look to more of a Glenn Close model where, like, it's funny that they're ridiculous. Right. And she's not so much an antagonist as just kind of an obstacle. Yes. I, I agree. I think that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, so then, of course... We have the big twist at the end, which isn't really a twist so much as like a, a creepy reveal. That whole twist and creepy reveal. It's just a So it's just a whole thing. Yeah. So essentially we have Will and Grace kind of obsessing over their appearance and Glenn Close's character is just sort of like, Why are you people like this? You're not even celebrities, you shouldn't be this vain. And right. they try to like convince her that, you know, like we don't want going in this coffee book coffee table book with one of us looking horrible. And so then she proceeds to Say something to the effect of, you guys are just so obsessed with each other. Why don't you just have a baby? And then she clicks the camera to capture Will and Grace both looking horrified and haunted. Yes. And she's like, that's the photo. Yeah. And she's not wrong. It's a great photo. It is a great photo. Not a family portrait. Nope. And neither of them look good. But at least neither of them look good. Literally, the faces they're making are, Mom and Dad, I just had an abortion. Like, they... Or, Mom and Dad, I'm not having the abortion. True. But yeah, they, they look really, like, haunted and freaked out. And it's like, it's kind of like when you get smacked in the face by a truth about yourself that you didn't super realize was there. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, there's going to be fallout from this. I'm not going to lie. The truth that I got smacked with was, wow, I'm really not here for this plot where Will and Grace make a baby. I mean, I don't want to be the person to ruin it for you, but they don't actually make one. What? There's not a secret baby <laughs> running around? As far as I can recall, there is not a secret Will and Grace baby. Now, see, I just assumed that when the producers said that they wanted to bring Will and Grace back, but not as parents, that they were already parents earlier, but that was different, and that was okay. Nope. No, that's not it? Nope. They don't have, like, a 30-year-old child running around? Spoilers. But secretly? Nope. No, that's a bummer. Sorry, man. But yeah, so clearly there's going to be fallout from that, this episode that we're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I mean, it, it, I, I, I'm being a little facetious here. It's a logical follow-up for characters who, as we've discussed at length, are very committed to each other mm-hmm. and definitely want to have kids. Yep. It is a, it is a logical point of discussion. On the other hand, they're fucking nuts. Yes, it is a logical discussion to have, but the choice to go through with it is a logical fallacy. In yes. fact, it it just it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, oh. Tess and I have talked about the idea of like having kids together, and like no. it's an immediate non-starter. Nope. Like. What was I even, like, reading the other day? Oh, I was reading a play, and, like, in the play, like, one of the characters is the surrogate for her best friend. I'm literally reading this play, and I'm like, this is why you couldn't even, like, carry a child for me. Nope, I've already told you, the only thing you could ever get for me is some hags. Some what? Eggs. <laughs> some hags? Hags. Hags. Hags boson particles? <laughs> you could have some eggs if you'd like them, but I don't, I don't <laughs> want any part of it, because if the thing lives inside me, I'm keeping it. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing, is it's, like, a fundamentally different... Dynamic then. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, Will and Grace's dynamic is already fraught enough. And, frankly, our dynamic is already fraught enough. How dare you? <laughs> fraught is the new... I don't know. Normal. In vogue. Fraught is the new normal. That's better. <laughs> I like that. That was way more poetic than the thing that I was just coming up with off top, the top of my head. You know? I'm a writer. Yeah. I write things good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it fundamentally changes the relationship in a really untakeawayable way. Yeah. Like, Will and Grace work really well as friends, but they're not romantically inclined. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's completely necessary that you have, like, a romantic attachment to the person that you're going to be co-parenting with. Mm-hmm. But it certainly fucking helps. Yes. I think that the benefit of potentially having someone to cuddle with when everything is terrible because you made a spawn right. might well, help. Well, and, like, like, you look at, like, divorce couples, too, and, like... At least, like, in that situation, you don't have the romantic attachment, but you also then have the ability to, like, step away... And be, like, a parent who doesn't actively take care of kids at some point in the custody battle. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just, it seems like a weird place for these two to be going. It seems like a logical conversation. Yes. But the fact that, like, since this is Will and Grace and we know they're going to at least entertain it. Right. And we've talked about this before um, in the one plot line in season two, I think, where Will um, offered to give his friend from college sperm. Yeah. Or from, from high school. And at that point, we did kind of say, like, I thought that if you ever had a baby with anyone, it would be me. Yeah. And, like, we were all kind of like, gross, but, like, okay. Like, yeah. they're having the conversation. Right. But now it seems that they're having the conversation, but it a little bit... And we haven't seen it yet, but mm-hmm. it a little bit to me sort of feels like Glenn Close's character has put them into a game of chicken that neither of them are ready to say uncle. Right. Yes. That's exactly how it feels. Like... It, it feels like they're kind of standing there and they're like, well, like... I do want to have a kid, and I do really trust and love and support you. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't we have a kid? This is fine. I don't need to think about any of the reasons why I don't want this. Yep. I should obviously want this. You, you know, it's like uh, like the, the pieces are there and the math seems to add up, but there's like all these other things that they're just pretending don't have to factor in the equation. Yeah. But that'll be more for next time, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, Matthew, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off for the week? I don't think so. Let's right. uh, let's tell everybody where they can tell us not to make a baby. All right, great. Why don't you do that? All right. Um, so if you've got some feedback for us on our potential child rearing. We're not going to do it, by the we're way. We're not going to do it. But you can always give us your opinions on our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show. And you can also send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook, Tumblr, or elsewhere across the internet. You can also listen to our podcast on iTunes and Podbean. 
All right, great. Well, thanks so much for listening this week, and we'll be back at you to talk more about ill-advised parenting choices next week. Yay! Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hello, Eliza. Do you want to be in our family portrait? Um. Bitch. This week's episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by Fraught is the New Normal, the new coffee table photography book by Fanny Lieber. Tough call. We talked about a lot. <clears throat> this week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hello, Eliza. Do you want to be in our family portrait? Mm. Bitch. <laughs> this week's episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by Fraught is the New Normal, the new coffee table photography book by Fanny Lieber.